Hi, I'm Dirk Friel, co-founder of Training Peaks, and you're listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'll be sitting down with expert endurance coaches and amazing athletes, each with special stories to tell. At its heart, Training Peaks is about helping you create the best journey possible towards your endurance goals. We hope these stories inspire you to get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. My guest today is Joy Miles. She is both a triathlon coach and certified Pilates instructor based in Chicago. Joy has been coaching for over 20 years after first learning to swim and discovering both her passion and talent for racing triathlons. She is also a proud Training Peaks ambassador. Among other clients, Joy works with the LGBTQ plus community and women of color to eliminate barriers to participation in triathlon and other endurance pursuits. Joy, thank you so much for, for joining me today. You're welcome. Yeah, you know, I think we can all learn a whole lot from you. You know, you you really have this mission to to bring triathlon to a whole new diversity um, set of triathletes, bringing in new new athletes is certainly, I guess, probably a couple of decades old for you. Why don't you tell us more about, first of all, your own experience of being a triathlete and how did you get into triathlon? Well, I actually got into triathlon on... A um, couple of women I used to train with at my old gym, we would do 5Ks, 10Ks, um, half marathons and marathons together. They're like, hey, we're doing an all-women's triathlon. You should come with us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Filled out the application, sent in my money, and then I realized I don't know how to swim. Oh, so, yeah. You signed up before even trying. Yes, literally. <laughs> so I actually went and purchased swim lessons and uh-huh. was in the pool every day for three months before my first wow. triathlon. Wow, that was dedication. Dedication, uh, maybe a little craziness. <laughs> and how many, how many years ago is this? This was almost 20 years ago. And that first experience of doing your first towing the line for the first time, how, how did it go? Um. It actually was, it was a very hot day because it was summer in um, the suburb of Naperville in Chicago. This was the women's, um, the Danskin, the old Danskin women's race. I got in the water and like, okay, I can do this. This woman decided behind me to grab my ankle and pull me. Oh my Lord. Freaked me out. I kicked her in the face. (laughs) I kept (laughs) going. I'm like, I can do this. (laughs) <laughs> got to the bike. I had just picked up my bike a week ago, the week before. Right. Didn't know how to work my gears, but I figured it out. Oh. Yeah. And then once I got to the run, I was happy. I'm like, oh, my happy place. I can do this 5K with my eyes closed. And so that that was a good enough experience to continue on with the sport, it sounds like. To continue obviously. on, I did have some people... Um, saying I had no business being there. Some really? women who literally yeah. approached me and telling me I had no business being there because I was literally almost a second to the last person coming in on the bike, but I made it up yeah. on the run. I'm like, who yeah. are you? I'm supposed to have fun here. <laughs> wow. Hopefully the majority of people are welcoming, but you had those few encounters, which did you just brush it off or did that stick with you for a long time? It stuck with me just a little bit. Um, 
my whole philosophy is you try to tell me I can't do something, watch me. And right. I'm, I'm a little stubborn. Good. And, um, and that probably comes through with uh, your athletes you work with. It does. Um, when they say, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. There can't is a cuss word to me. Right. You can say right. anything else but that word. <laughs> a year later, I did my first indoor triathlon, and that's where I met my coach um, for Team Dream, which is an all-women of color triathlon team. And okay. I think he felt sorry for me or took pity on me because of the way I swam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because um, it looked like I was fighting the water every time I swam. And the sprints and indoor tries went into more sprint distance. I, a couple years later, I decided to tackle my first half Ironman. In hindsight, I should not have done that race. Mm. Um, it was in St. Croix. Mm-hmm. And training in the Midwest in the winter and then going to a tropical island where it's hot right. poses its own challenges. But the bike was the challenge because it was such mm-hmm. a hilly race. Mm-hmm. I missed the bike cutoff by about two minutes. Our version of a hill is a speed bump. Right. Well, again, you, you kind of took the hard way. You don't take anything easy. You, no. uh, absor- you, you take a licking and keep on ticking. <laughs> so, you, you, I mean, again, this is like building up your resilience, your firsthand knowledge, um, which is going to come out later in your, in your coaching, um, obviously. So how, how do you transition from, you know, these, uh, you know, early triathlon race experiences into becoming, you know, a mentor and eventually a coach? When I started with Team Dream, I learned, um, I had to relearn how to swim using the total immersion method. But luckily, I didn't have any bad, really bad habits because I had just started swimming. But I caught on really quickly and I was asked, you know, do you want to be an assistant coach? And that's how it came, up, came about. So then you, you, you said, sure, I'd love to take that on. Or was that daunting to you? Um, no, actually it wasn't because I was already, um, working in fitness, um, as a group exercise instructor and a personal trainer. So it just made sense as a seamless transition, even though I was still working Mm -hmm. in corporate America at the time as well. And so this was for team dream. Is that right? So tell me more about the history of that. You know, you joined it as an athlete and then eventually become a coach. Well, when did it get started? Um, it was, I want to say Team Dream was founded in 1997 or 1998 um, okay. to get more women of color involved in the sport of triathlon, but also to learn how to swim. There's a lot of barriers about swimming. Oh, um, I don't want to get my hair wet or I don't want to put my face in the water. Or it could be as simple as someone's had a trauma from swimming as a kid. And that program has obviously succeeded and, and grown through the years. Yes. And it's not only learning about multi-sport, but it's also taking those skills that you learn in multi-sport and applying them to everyday life, applying them to work. You know, I saw a quote from you 
which I love. It says, um, our program is 100% intimidation free. Yes. So, you know, that, that initial, even that first five minutes interaction with the new athlete is, is so important because of that intimidation factor. Um, you know, I mean, can you really, any of that from your experiences or how, how do you approach new athletes coming into the program? So it is, you know, starting from where they are at, right? Yes. Um, I meet everyone where they're at because everyone is in a different place, a different experience, a different skill level. I try to reassure anyone I meet that I'm here with you. I'm going to help you. You are not going to fail. Right. And it's about right. helping people feel comfortable, which will help build that confidence over time. And, and the motivation factor, I, I'm, they probably all come from different places. The reason for even joining the program, do you dig into that back, back, back story of what's their motivation is? Sometimes I do. Um, some are women who have children and their children are learning how to swim, but they don't know how to swim. What happens if their child is in a pool and they can't get to their child or the lifeguard can't get to their child? Is there a cost for this program? Is it, you know, what is it? Is it run through a particular YMCA or health club? We'll rent out a pool and there is a fee. I don't have that information off the top of my head. Um, we've been in hiatus because of COVID yeah. and trying to get a pool or anything, but in the past, we will um, find a pool to train in, have a workout on a Saturday afternoon, two hours of working out in the pool, working on drills, um, even just getting people comfortable, women, these w women comfortable being in the deep end of the pool. I, I, I've, I saw it in my mother's eyes <laughs> oh, yeah. when she tried her first triathlon. It's like, oh, you can't touch the bottom. Oh, Wait a minute. And then you transition to open water. There's no nice lane line. There isn't a wall that you can hang on. Right. You can't see anything. There right. might be, I don't know, fish, seaweed. Other people hitting you that you think yes. are big fish? Um, we might see some fish. You might get some seagrass. Trying to figure out what is this <laughs> on my ankle? Oh, my God, something touched me. Right. Well, as we talk about women of color and diversity, I mean, you've talked about in the past around even the simple things around around hair and makeup and, mm -hmm. and getting over those kind of inhibitions, if you will, in that community. Um, again, you can work with them on that and, you know, tell us more about that side of things. Um, well, for me, I wear my hair natural only because I work in fitness. I work out a lot. Um, mm hmm you learn what hairstyles will work for you. You learn what conditioners will work. You learn that fake eyelashes might not work in the pool. <laughs> right. Um, you can still wear lip gloss. I mean, I do wear lip gloss in the pool or lipstick in the pool or when I'm racing. You can still be glamorous. Uh, and what about the commitment to the program? Is there, you know, it's an endurance event, but it's also the endurance aspect of training for this event is not an overnight thing. 
you know, it, do, are people just, are, are they automatically engaged and it's easy to have them show up or, or are you having to like work with them to get them to show up? Sometimes it's work gets in a way, life gets in a way. We have some members who choose not to race, but they want to do the training and they will volunteer for the race to see what a triathlon looks like so they can see right. everything before they actually participate in one or they might do right. a relay. If they don't feel comfortable doing the swim, they might do the bike or they might do the run and someone else will do the swim. Motivation is different for everybody. Um, we have some who in the past traveled a lot for work. So just trying to find access to a pool, um, a hotel um, treadmill, if there is a treadmill, a bike, or if there is a running path or a running group that they can run with. So in this um, crisis we're, we're faced with, with, with COVID, and you mentioned not being able to gain access to swimming pools, is there a focus around running events? Or, or obviously the running and cycling can occur indoors, outdoors, um, or do you still have the programming going on minus the swim? We're not really doing a lot with that, but there have been folks who've joined various running groups or virtual races that have popped up within mm -hmm. the past yeah. um, three to four months um, with the Ironman Virtual Race Series, the Rock and Roll Virtual Race Series, um, right. the Zwift Challenges, the Ruby Challenges. In this weird world that we are in now with races left and right being canceled, we're able to make adaptations and then a lot of um, Instagram workouts, YouTube workouts. What about your own personal goals as a triathlete? Well, I did until my two events were deferred to 2021. Um, I was supposed to do Rev3 Williamsburg uh -huh. in June, which got moved to August. But All right. I didn't feel that I would be comfortable racing in August in Virginia heat. So I yeah. decided to defer um, to 2021. And also um, my big race was going to be ITU Worlds for the Aquathlon oh, right. Right. in Almere, Amsterdam. Ah. And it was postponed to 2021. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, you know, we just got recent news that Ironman, yes. you know, Hawaii 70.3 Worlds won't happen in February. Right. As you know, that was plan B. Yep. Now, now we're on to plan C, which is hopefully October, October next year. October 2021. Right. So are you, where's your state of mind right now with all, with your, in your own personal training, having these races be canceled? My hashtag has been training is not canceled. Nice. Love um, it. I have been, tr I've been working out since, um, I just returned to work July 1st. Okay. Um, I returned to the pool last week. Um, oh. and I didn't drown. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I remembered how to swim, but my whole mindset is training is not canceled. Races may be canceled. Races will return, but training continues. So I'm Definitely. still you know training as if I have some races happening. Yeah. And I mean, in, in, the swim, you know, obviously it's almost starting from 
ground zero again, you know, being out of the pool for so many months. And yes, and bringing back put- my yardage. Um, we're limited to one hour a day of swimming because you have to reserve a pool lane, which I'm loving right. the reserving of a pool lane. So I don't have to circle swim or fight someone for a pool lane. Um, mm-hmm. Just getting my yardage back up to where I was comfortably anywhere from 8,000 to 12,000 yards a week. And so where are you at now? Um, last week I ended at roughly 6,600 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't go by the same pace either. No. You know, distance. I mean, and, my pace you know, is so. slower. I'm like, okay, this is a time for me to work on a lot of technique, a lot of form strokes that I do not like to do, which right. is the, I hate the breaststroke, but I'm doing breaststroke drills. <laughs> I'm forcing myself to do them. And, and, and as, you know, I think we can certainly learn a lot from you, you know, as a woman of color in triathlon, you know, these in, initial, I guess, things that we should bring to our own communities to spread awareness around, you know, some of the obstacles that you've, you've personally felt in, and, and, and seen, um, I mean, I've spoken to you in the past and you, you've even talked about, you know, having to, having to think about the location and what you wear and where you run. And yes, can you, can you bring some of that to light, um, to help spread that awareness? Right. When the shutdown started happening, we started, this is before Chicago went into curfew. I was right. running in my neighborhood. I live approximately two miles from the Evanston border. I live two blocks from Loyola University, Chicago, and I was running and I actually was followed by the cops. I don't look intimidating. I do. I run in a running skirt. I have my hydration. I have my ID at all times. And it's very disconcerting. And one of the Ironman virtual races one of the run distances was a half marathon. Okay. So trying to map out a half marathon, I went a little bit too far west and people were looking at me like I did not belong in their neighborhood. You see a couple of men walk out and it was very, very jarring to me. And I literally had to turn around and just go back a little bit more east to my neighborhood where I was comfortable. Yeah, that's absolutely horrible. I mean, you are wearing bright colors in a running skirt out, you know, training, and you have to think about these things. And they, they, that someone uh, might hit me, someone might throw something at me. I've had stuff thrown at me in the past. I have had someone spit on me. Yeah. And it gives you pause. It's like, I'm not right. going to let you stop me from getting my workouts in. Right. It's gotten to the point where well, I will send a text message to my boyfriend like, hey, this is where I'm going. I should be back at this time. Right. If you don't hear from me within 20 minutes of that time, call me. Yeah. And it's just a sad, sad to hear the state of affairs that that's still obviously going on, you know, after how many you know, decades, hundreds of years. And it's just appalling that, that we have to still deal with that. Things need to change in our local communities. Um, you even mentioned, you know, certain stores or bike shops that you, you, 
you know, are treated differently in. I, um, I'm very particular about where I go and where I shop because right. attitude, how you interact with me versus others will determine where I spend my money. I always believe everyone should be treated equal. Hopefully we, we are. Um, I'm, I'm sure we can make Im- obvious improvements, but within the sport of triathlon, what is the statistic? Is it less than half of 1%? It's less than half are, of 1% are um, African-American. Right. Are you seeing other endurance sports um, maybe doing things differently or, or, or are they all equal in, in your eyes? It's, it seems like it's a little equal on a level playing field, but like USA Cycling and USA Swimming are trying as well. Right. But we just need more. It's more about getting into the communities, getting in, I would even say get into the schools, but the schools are actually closed. <laughs> Well, yeah, hopefully that changes, but yes. we can live and learn, you know? Well, I think of splash and dashes, you know, these, this is where we get yes. young kids seeing that this is actually a sport. And I like riding my bike. I like running. I like swimming. Why a not do all three in a day? It's fun. Something that you can do is get in the water. Okay. Get on your bike. Okay. You're done. Yeah. Or get in the water and throw on your running shoes and run and you're done. It needs to be more of seeing that it's fun and it's not just, oh, you should be relegated to football, basketball, baseball. There is more out there. Right. Yeah. Again, I think about those splash and dashes, getting them more, you know, into other diverse communities. It's that exposure to the sport that you you can't overcome that. If you don't even see the sport, how can you even have the ambition to do it? Right. Correct. And, and then, and then secondarily, you know, along with that is seeing role models, people that look like yourself, Mm -hmm. um, getting more of those role models, you know, within the sport and when I say that, that's not at, obviously we need more professionals if, you know, there's only a, a, a couple, right? Um, but there are only, if we got more. There's one professional African-American male triathlete, and that's Max mm-hmm. Fennell. The next one coming up should be Sika Henry. We need to see more. Um, I think with also the Olympic Games, not happening this year or even the olympic trials seeing the swimming trials in particular seeing the next the future cullen jones it has a big effect um we're slowly seeing professional cyclists um in the tour de france i think it was last year like oh my god is that a black guy right there's an african you know south african team there's a south african team and just seeing what's happening on grassroots levels in different countries could potentially happen here. Right. Well, we should aim to make that happen yes. here. And if any of us have any 
you know, ability to, to do that, certainly that, that should be an impetus here to uh, try and expand. I think one of the biggest things, if in an ideal world, if we could revamp the physical education system in the United mm. States, um, right. yes, there are some schools that have, that doesn't have pools, but is there a way to partner with a local bike shop? Yeah. Every school, like most high schools have a track and field team. Why don't you think about looking at starting a cycling team? Yeah. I mean, NICA, do you know uh, the NICA program in the United States has really developed mountain biking within high schools. Um, that's had great success. I think there can be a lot um, of movement done within the club, um, within local clubs as well. Yes. You know, whereby, you know, you can... As a club member, you can donate um, old gear back into the club, which then gets passed out into the community. I think that's... And we've, um, there is a group here in Chicago. Well, there's um, TriMasters, mm-hmm. and there is um, SOARS, um, Grit SOARS, that were right. donating, trying to get bikes and gear donated for kids to participate and the kids try last year, the Chicago triathlon uh-huh. and just seeing, and I've seen the kids race at the Chicago try, which I think is number one, an amazing thing. Yeah. Number two is the cutest thing I've ever seen because you see kids who might have their training wheels on their bike, or you might see a kid who has this fierce look and they they have this intense look on their face. Yeah. And they're pedaling as hard as they can or they're running as hard as they can or they're just jumping into water, no fear. I had a flashback to my daughter. I'm a bike racer at heart and I had her do her first bike race and she never did another one because she was the only girl. Ooh, and that that's another thing. <laughs> You're right. And I just, that was like heartbreaking to me, but Hey, she discovered volleyball and many <laughs> other, you know, passions other than my passions. Um, but that was just like, so heartbreaking to me that, you know, I was so happy that day, but then kind of let down, you know, and I was like, Oh wow. In Boulder, Colorado, she was the only girl in this kid's bike race. How can now that that's be? You very know, very shocking for being in Boulder out of all places. I know. The mountain I just, biking, I consider Boulder the mountain biking capital of the world. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't a mountain. It was actually, a, you know, a kid's criteria. It was at a criterium, so okay. it was on the road. So it should have been even easier for more girls to get there. But, I mean, that experience right there just kind of showed me, you know, the, I don't know, not not that other, you know, six-year-olds are role models, but <laughs> seeing other people like yourself, you know, g- can go a long ways. Yes. Absolutely. Um, hey, I'd, lo- I'd love to hear about some success stories. You know, do you have any favorites uh, or you don't have to name names or anything, but things have changed, you know, how has triathlon changed people's lives? I had one woman who actually worked with me privately. Yeah. Didn't want to put her face in the water. I mean, was freaking out. Literally worked with her twice a week for almost a year. Hmm. She was able to go on vacation with her husband for the first time, 
go into the ocean and swim <laughs> and nice. not freak out. Yeah. Because her husband came, her husband's from the Caribbean and swimming is Grew up what in the water. he knows. And right. that fear of being in the water, but she literally got over her fear. It took a while. It took a lot of convincing, you know, strategic negotiation skills. Yeah. But she was able to do that. And now she actually scuba dives. Wow. From so, going from not wanting to put her face in the water whatsoever, in three feet of water, freaking out, to now scuba diving. I think for, for better or for worse, she, she faced her fears and then somehow that fear became, you know, a fun passion yes. and hopefully made her, her marriage even better. <laughs> oh, yes. And I mean, I, mean, I would love my mother to swim. Yeah. I would never teach my mother how to swim. <laughs> I have a rule. I do not teach relatives. Yeah. I, I, I understand that. <laughs> but she's tried a couple of times and it's that fear. <laughs> you know, I, I also want to end with uh, another quote of yours I found from an interview. And you said, my goal is to make everyone the best athlete they can be, not necessarily what the media calls an athlete. And I, I just think there's so much in that quote that you're meeting them where they're at from day one, no matter where it's at and inch by inch, you know, you can get them to a better place. And so really love that. Thank um, you. Really love that quote. Yeah, absolutely. It mean, means a lot. Um, well, th thank you so much. You know, can people learn more about you or the team dream, anything else? Um, how can they follow you social media? They can fo um, follow me on social media on Instagram. I'm fitness 724 mm -hmm. on Very Facebook. Cool. I'm just joy miles and on Twitter. I'm not as active on Twitter as much. I'm J and J Renee miles on Twitter. Awesome. Well, some people might reach out to you and see, maybe learn another thing or two from you to help um, bring awareness and try and bring more programming down to their local communities. I hope this uh, can help a little bit. So thank you for your time, Joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. For more episodes, visit trainingpeaks.com slash podcasts. Please head on over to Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcast to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Until next time, get out there, train with purpose, and never be afraid to sign up for that next big challenge. <laughs>